Orleans Saints have a little bit of injury news on their hands. Jameis Winston leaving practice early on Monday due to a foot or is it an ankle injury? This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson kicking it with you on a Monday evening, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's find out if it was a foot or if it was an ankle, because I'm not sure if Dennis Allen misspoke or if there's any clarification here. Who better to tell us than Catherine Terrell, ESPN Saints reporter and my best friend, uh, joining us here on ESPN Radio. So what is it? Is it a foot? Is it an ankle? And, and what do you know about Jameis Winston leaving early from practice and the circumstances surrounding this injury? Well, my argument was that the foot is connected to the ankle, so maybe Dennis Allen just thinks it's the same thing. We we really don't know. I mean, he's not a doctor, like so. To he, you know, I'll give him some credit for that. But is it? Does it sound serious? Because he used the word tweak, and a coach that I used to cover used the word tweak. And you think it's a couple of weeks and it ends up being a season-ending injury? What does that mean for Dennis Allen using the word tweak with Jameis Winston? Right, so what happened today is, you know, um, they had a lightning issue, which it rains every single day in New Orleans these days. Uh, so they went inside. Everything was business as usual. Uh, Jameis participated in seven on seven drills. Then they did a heavy run period. So uh, the reporters honestly weren't really focused on the quarterbacks at that point. Uh, a lot of times there's a lot going on in the indoor facility. You kind of just don't notice all the time when people leave. And all of a sudden, they're working on red zone, and Andy Dalton is taking the snaps instead of James Winston. So when we talked to Dennis Allen right after practice, uh, probably five minutes after it ended, he said, you know, James was rolling out on, uh, in 7-on-7 seven seven and tweaked his foot. Then he went and talked to the NFL Network about five minutes later and said he rolled his ankle. We did reach out to the Saints for clarification. They said it was a foot, not an ankle. Um, I guess just all eyes in the building tomorrow are going to be on that part of Jameis Winston. We'll all be staring at his foot slash ankle, but it's just too hard uh, to know yet the severity. You know, the Saints, like every team, are very cagey with injuries. I think Dennis Allen is a little bit more forthcoming than Sean Payton was, but I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Obviously, it would be a big blow to the Saints if uh, Jameis Winston is injured again. Yeah, injured again, Catherine, because, of course, we are talking about a player coming back from that ACL injury that ended his season. How did he look in training camp before tweaking his foot and or ankle? It is kind of ironic that he may have been injured again uh, while rolling out because that was kind of part of the progression of coming back from the ACL. You know, at the beginning of OTAs, they're a lot more cautious, Um he came in with that big brace, which he was going to wear during the season. He had a limp. Uh, they were not uh, having him participate in team drills. They didn't want him rolling out, things like that. But, you know, I talked to quarterback's coach, Ronald Curry, the other day, and he says, full go on Jameis Winston. There's no more, um, you know, we're not holding him back. We're not holding back the reins. And I think he's looked good. Honestly, there was so much talk about that limp earlier in the summer. You don't really notice it as much. Now, almost never, it's almost never talked about, except maybe if they've been going for days, we can tell he's getting a little tired, which is to be expected. So there were super positive signs uh, on the Winston front. Uh, We'll just have to see what happens with this new injury or, you know, maybe not injury. I guess we won't know until tomorrow. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys 
a positive step in the right direction for Michael Thomas. He returned to 11-on-11 action during Saturday's practice. Remember, he's been gone for the last two years, more or less. Uh, And it looks like he was participating in team drills without issue. What are the expectations, or what should a realistic expectation be for Thomas in a receiving room that appears a little bit crowded, I mean, they just signed Jarvis Landry this offseason. They spent a first-round draft pick on Chris Olave. Were those moves made with the thought in mind that Michael Thomas might not be getting back to 149 catch Michael Thomas that he was two years ago before he sustained injury? Well, I honestly don't think you really want any player with that many catches. Um, Michael Thomas was a fantastic player in 2019. um, But, you know, I think it kind of is a sign that you're depending too much on one player. I think, you know, fast forwarding to to last year, it would be really hard to even name the receivers in that room. They, They needed bodies that people had heard of, and they really struggled throughout the year just having no one to count on. So I think they were really trying to get Jameis Winston some weapons and kind of erase all of that. Maybe, you know, maybe in the spring they weren't quite sure what to do with Michael Thomas in terms of, like, where he would be. Uh, he was just kind of limited to doing workouts out in California at that point. But, man, I think he's come such a long way. Honestly, the last two days he's looked great. Uh, he progressed to full team drills in seven-on-seven. And honestly, Thomas has been hitting the ground a lot, which is something that I want mentioned. Normally in training camp, and Courtney, you hear this all the time. All the coaches are screaming, stay get up, up, get stay up, up, stay up. Uh, yeah, I exactly. hear it. I actually hear it in my and head right now. That. Yeah, they do that because they do not want their players hitting the ground unless they're doing a live tackling session, which they honestly don't do very much. Uh, they just don't want them injured. But in this case, it's a good thing. Because he needs to have confidence in that ankle that the ankle is okay. So he was uh, he had a great contested catch in seven on seven today, or actually I think in one on one, hit the ground a few times. So he looks like the old Michael Thomas, but will he look like that when he's going up against competition teams? I don't know, but I do think there should be expectations at this point for him to have a good season. Maybe not twenty nineteen season, but a good season. So Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston are obviously the biggest stories right now coming off to training camp, but there's another story that's been dominating the headlines, and that's the rookie, uh, Trevor Penning, getting into, what, three altercations in three days of practice. He finally got kicked out of practice during one of those altercations. What do you make of Penning's, I guess I'll call it passion, Catherine? Well, I've covered the NFL a long, long time at this point, or it feels like a long time. And I don't know the last time I ever saw two players get kicked out of practice because Malcolm Roach got sent out right after him. Uh, those were the two that were going at each other on the third day of practice fighting, causing essentially a bench-clearing brawl, which another thing I don't see often in training camp against their own teammates. Like, I think Penning just plays through the whistle, and it really makes the guy going up against some mad because the way NFL teams practice might not be how the how college teams practice. Um, and so these better guys he's going up against aren't expecting this rookie to come in and just uh, keep playing all the way to the whistle. The Saints love it. They love that passion. They love that he has an edge. But obviously they don't want him to go on the season and have 16 uh, holding penalties or whatever penalty so they're trying to figure out how to get him to toe that line. And they said it actually was a lot better after 
he got kicked out of practice. There really hasn't been any drama since then. I don't think that's the end of it. But he's not starting these fights. However, you know, I think this guy came in with a reputation that he plays like this, and he's living up to it, and uh, he's going to be fun to watch uh, in the coming months. Catherine Terrell, ESPN Saints reporter, joining Courtney Cronin and Chris Car- Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson on Canty and Carlin. Chris Carlin is not here. Um, I think it's fine as long as you don't punch the other guy in the helmet and break your hand, which I have witnessed during training camps. A little pushing and like shoving. Like Turner did to Tang? Yes. Like hit him in the helmet? Yeah, that's, that, exactly that's a boneheaded happened. move. Control yourself. I mean, because in games, realistically, people are going to be testing you. So I think it's a... You know, it's not the worst thing that it's happening right now and maybe lighting a fire under the rest of the Saints, especially the Saints defense, in ways that not saying that uh, it wasn't that way previously when Teron Armstead was left tackle, but, you know, it doesn't help to, it doesn't hurt to assert your style of play early on, especially if you're a first-round draft pick expected to protect the blind side of the quarterback. One more for you. I want to know about Tyron Matthew because he was a little late in joining the Saints this year. I know that he talked about he had some personal things he didn't really want to get into, but he was part of team drills the other day. It's a homecoming for him, coming back to the place where he's from. How is he assimilating into this defense? Well, on the personal side, I think great. You know, um, whoever heard him talk when he did return from his personal matters, he said so many people reached out to him, and that's not always the case. And he mentioned people like Demario Davis. I think he said Jarvis Landry. Obviously, uh, they go back to LSU. Uh, named a couple other teammates and coaches and I think that's a sign that, you know, he's really fitting into this team. Now, the other side is how is he going to fit in as a player? Uh, we didn't see him that much at OTAs. We haven't seen him that much here yet during training camp. I think this is day two of him doing full team drills. Um, but, you know, I think they saw a little bit of the old Tyron Matthew just yesterday when Michael Thomas uh, fumbled, and Matthew was the first one to go over there and recover it. And I actually covered him when he was a really young player at LSU. Um, so I kind of flashed back to that. Um, so, you know, you never know how some of these players are going to play um, once they are – I hate saying aging veterans to people that are my age and he's not even that old. But, you know, it, it, it is something to watch. I kind of say with the Saints, a lot of their star players are on the older side. So I think he's going to fit into this defense great. It's just a matter of how many years does he have left. She is Catherine Terrell. She covers the Saints, and you can follow her on Twitter, at Cat underscore Terrell. Appreciate the time, as always. Stay out of the uh, lightning, I guess, down there, since all it does is rain, apparently. Well, yeah, I'm going to go to stand under the metal bleachers or something tomorrow and see what happens, I guess. Well, at least they're letting you into practice. That seems like an upgrade. I've figured, you know, the Saints and their reputation of keeping media out, uh, at least they let you see practice when it is raining. So uh, kudos to them and uh, kudos to you for covering training camp. Kat's actually bat with, back with ESPN. She was covering the Saints for the Athletic for a number of years, previously covered the Cincinnati Bengals for ESPN. That is how she became my best friend, um, and she will give you the latest and greatest coming down from Saints training camp coming up the next few weeks. Appreciate it. Well, super excited to be coworkers again, and thanks for having me on, y'all. Coming up next, a major injury in the WNBA that we have official word on. We'll get into it next. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. And Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson, holding it down on this Monday evening. The guys are out today. You can tweet to us at Courtney R. Cronin at Amber W. Sports. You can also hit us up on the phones, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Some unfortunate news to report out of the WNBA. Diana Taurasi is going to miss the remainder of the season with a quad strain. She's one of three players to record 500 points, 100 rebounds, 100 assists. This season alone, Sabrina Ionescu and Skylar Diggins-Smith are the other two. Huge blow for the Phoenix Mercury, though, losing a three-time WNBA champion and league's all-time leading scorer. This team is fighting to clinch a playoff berth. In the final week of the regular season, WNBA playoffs begin the week after next. She has 16.7 points, 3.9 assists per game. That's the second best on the squad behind Skylar Diggins-Smith, as we had mentioned, and Diana Taurasi has accomplished a lot at her age. She turned 40 in June. Um, she still struggled this season, I think, nearing the end of her career uh, compared to like where she was historically. What she's doing, though, at this point is still a miraculous level of play. But it's kind of unfortunate because if she's going to have to miss the regular season, the rest of the regular season, meaning you know, potentially the, it sounds like the playoffs too, does this mean we're close to seeing her retiring. I, I don't know the answer to that, but it feels like if you're 40 years old, she's talked about, you know, the funny things are like first player to do XYZ at 40 years old, first player to blow her nose at 40 years old and still get five rebounds in a single court, like little things like that. She's, she's poked fun at herself with kind of the ageism that we have with older players. Um, I just hope that's not the last that we're going to see of her out there. She hasn't made her intentions known, so she doesn't get the big super type of send off, right? If this is, in fact, the end for her. And so that certainly complicates things because we didn't know what she was planning to do in 2023, even though she is 40 years old. She becomes a free agent after this season. This is certainly not the way that she wanted her story to end, though, if in fact it ends here. And I wonder if that will factor into her decision making. You back. mentioned, like, there's two prongs to this story, Courtney, where this has real ramifications for the Mercury. Because even though, yes, she's a player past her prime, they have that half-game lead on New York Liberty and a one-game edge on the Minnesota Lynx and on the Los Angeles Sparks for that final playoff seed. 
They've got three games left to play. So now not having Tarasi's production, even if it isn't the Diana Tarasi of, you know, that of some years ago, it still matters. She still was a key contributor to this team. So there's the basketball conversation here. And then there's the career conversation here, which is that, again, she's a 40-year-old. She's one of the biggest names ever in the WNBA. And I would imagine that any athlete of that caliber, once the Sue Bird or the Sylvia Fowles send-off, right, where we know they're retiring. And so we get to have that moment. Sue Bird just had that moment on Sunday with her final home game. We get to have that moment. Everybody gets to show their love and appreciation to her for her incredible and long career. And then if it just ends like this with injury, I mean, presumably they'll bring her back, right, and honor her in some other way. But it just won't be the same as if you knew going into her Mm -hmm. final game that that was, in fact, her final game. So it's sad. I I feel like it probably is the final chapter for her, but definitely not the way that she wanted the chapter to end. Yeah, averaging almost 17 points per game this season, what technically, statistically speaking, is a down year for Mm -hmm. Diana Taurasi. Um, Still pretty darn good at age 40, and you're right. She hasn't made her intentions known. She's never said that this is going going into the season, this is going to be her last or not. Hopefully it's not, but I would really like to see her – you know, come back to be able to finish this thing off. It's unfortunate that her injury, her career is, or at least this season is derailed by an injury as a team just trying to get into the postseason. Now, somebody else is, is as Amber mentioned, Amber Wilson, Courtney Cronin here on Canty and Carlin, is that Sue Bird has played 19 seasons, all with the same franchise, the Seattle Storm, and the Sunday game that they had at home was where she was honored in front of 18,100 fans at Climate Pledge Arena. That was the Storms game against the Las Vegas Aces, which they lost 89-81. to Thank you, Asia Wilson, for playing. Spoiler to uh, Sue Bird's big day and her final day. But let's hear from Sue Bird about what she had to say as she spoke to fans during her final home game of her career. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart how thankful I am, not only for today and all of you showing up and supporting us, but for 21 years. I remember a couple years in, some of my teammates wanted to go to the Wild Rose. I went with them. I saw a season ticket holder there. She came over to me, put her arm around me. She was like, hey, I don't know if this is the place you want to be. You know, on the outside, I said, oh, okay, thanks. You know, good looking out. On the inside, I was like, oh, I know where I am. I can't even tell you how amazing this whole season has been. This moment has been. We're not done. We're definitely not done. That was Sue Bird speaking to the fans uh, at the Seattle Storms home game yesterday where they lost to the Las Vegas Aces. She said, though, they're not done, and they're not. Like, the Aces and the Storm are two of the best teams in the WNBA, very much in the postseason picture right now. Now they're just fighting for seeding. would be really cool to see Sue Bird get to win a championship at 41 years old before she goes and ventures off into soccer ownership. She's now uh, a minority owner in the New Jersey, New York Gotham Football Club and, you know, plenty more things that she is going to be doing outside of the game of basketball coming up for her in the future. Would love to selfishly get to see her win a championship because we all love a good story. The Storm are 20 and 13 this year. Coming up next, what will the week bring ahead with Deshaun Watson? A likely appeal decision, and could we see him potentially play this Friday during the Browns preseason opener? That's next, Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. 
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It was a week ago today that we found out Deshaun Watson would be suspended six games this season. That decision handed down by NFL and NFLPA jointly agreed upon arbitrator Sue L. Robinson, the former judge. And then a couple days later, the NFL announced it was going to appeal that decision. The NFLPA responded with a brief reply. And now we figure out have to figure out when this decision will come down and what it means for the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson this season. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson, presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So what will this week bring in the Deshaun Watson saga? As we found out, I believe it was Friday or Saturday, Roger Goodell will not be the one handing down a final decision. He designated Peter C. Harvey, who's a former New Jersey Attorney General, to make the decision for him. And at this point, it's supposed to be an expedited process, meaning it could come a lot sooner than these things usually end up playing out. How soon, though, could it potentially come? Here's Jake Trotter, ESPN Cleveland Browns reporter, who was on game day this past Saturday. It'll be fairly quick. It won't be like Sue Robinson where, you know, you had a hearing that was set in late June, and then you're kind of waiting and waiting, like, when is this? ruling going to come and finally came, you know, after training camp had already started, the NFL CBA does not stipulate a specific timetable that Goodell or his designee, in this case, Harvey, you know, has to come back with a binding decision. But the phrase that's used in the CBA is expedited. This has to be an expedited process. And so I think at least people here are expecting to hear something by the end of next week. And by the end of next week, he he said this on Saturday, so he meant the end of this week. So Jake Trotter, who's very close to the Cleveland Browns, he covers them for ESPN's NFL Nation, expects that we should know what Deshaun Watson's verdict on his suspension is going to be. From a legal perspective, when he's talking about Sue L. Robinson, because I remember that disciplinary hearings in early July, and it took until August 1st to get an answer. an entire month. So... What, what does Peter C. Harvey have to look at here? Like, what is he examining, and what do you think, as a, you know, as a lawyer, like, how will he be able to come to a decision as quickly as, he, as we're expecting him to? Well, because it is an expedited process, but it's also by that, that by its very nature, because all he's doing now is considering what was in front of Sue L. Robinson. So it's not like they're we're not looking Sue at any new evidence, just not, to clarify. Right. No okay. new evidence is being brought in. You're not bringing in any other potential witnesses to testify. There's nothing new coming in. He's not going to have to sort through all that. He's quite literally just reviewing what was in front of her. So he can only consider what she was considering in making her decision. And so that limits, obviously, the scope of what he has to look at anyways. And then also, all they're doing is 
seeking a modification of the punishment. Like that is the cornerstone of this appeal. So you're not considering any outside factors either. You are just considering, based on what was in front of her, whether there should be some sort of modification to the punishment. Now, my question is twofold when it comes to that. Are we going to see a modification of the suspension where you're talking about Peter C. Harvey, who's not independent, by the way? This also is an important point in this process. Sue L. Robinson was totally independent. Peter C. Harvey, not an independent, fully. He is outside, right, he is outside the league office. So this is Goodell's decision. But this is, it's, well, Goodell's Goodell's decision decision to appoint him, Peter C. Harvey, to hear this. And you're appointing somebody who likely is going to be, you would assume, NFL friendly. Mm -hmm. So the first question is, how much does that account for what Peter C. Harvey ends up doing? Now, I'm not suggesting that Peter C. Harvey's like on the take and just necessarily does whatever Goodell wants. But he's not wholly independent. He's got a former relationship with the NFL. He's handled other arbitration hearings in the past for the NFL. And obviously there's a reason that that Roger Goodell pinpointed him as the person, as the designee, because Goodell otherwise could have heard this thing himself. Mm -hmm. And then the other component to this is what does modification actually mean? And I don't know because it's not well-defined under the CBA. And this is the first time we're going through this. Where This is the first time we've had the independent arbitrator in Sue L. Robinson brought in to make a decision on a disciplinary action. So this is the first time that we're seeing an appeal of this nature where the NFL is actually seeking more of a suspension and more of a fine. This isn't normally what we see. We normally see the NFL in the past under the old CBA. The NFL, they issue a punishment and then we see the player appeal and then the punishment gets reduced, right? Like this is a very new process. And so we're in new territory. I don't know what a modification of the punishment means. Does that mean that he can only modify what her punishment was, was just a suspension? Or does that mean that he can modify beyond her punishment and part of modification would be levying a fine even though she didn't levy one? I don't know where the power resides because the CBA, frankly, is is not the most detailed written document I've ever reviewed about. So in that modification process, could that mean he might not be able to touch six games and that has to stand? They could just only add a, add like a monetary fine if it's $10.5 million, whatever's been levied out there. No, I'm um, reading it as the opposite. I'm reading it as, yes, the So they the can modify the number of because games. Because she, yeah. she did levy punishment, right? Yes. And the modification is of the punishment. So I'm reading it as, okay, well, modifying punishment, she levied punishment. He violated the league's conduct policy, six-game suspension. So I can modify six-game suspension. What I don't know is then if he can institute a fine because she didn't find reason to find Deshaun Watts. It seemed like she read the CBA in a very black and white literal sense where it says or it says suspension or fine. It feels Mm -hmm. like Sue Robinson took that as one or the other. Whereas can Peter C. Harvey decide that or means and or? I don't know. Those things are very gray under the CBA. And so now we're entering new territory here that frankly will set a precedent moving forward. Okay, so he's probably going to do what the NFL wants him to do. I would imagine closer. I'm not going to say, I, because the NFL wants indefinite. I don't think that's happening. Okay. And frankly, I'm not even sure a full season. I feel like if you're smart, if you're Peter C. Harvey, you're looking at this, you bump it up some. You know the NFL's last offer, it was reported was by Graziano, was that it was 12 games. They were willing to come down to that, so maybe we're closer to that to kind of like appease the NFL, but not go so far out of the realm of what Sue Robinson, Sue L. Robinson did that you're opening yourself up to federal court action. Okay, so two questions here. So the NFL... Yes or no, is expecting whatever the appeal is. Let's say it's 12 games. Let's say however many more games they're going to add on to this because they're not going to appeal and keep it six. They're expecting Watson and the NFLPA to sue, yes? They are 
I would say gearing up for it. Okay. I think it's been overstated. It has happened historically. Well, it happened with Ezekiel Elliott. It happened Tom with Tom Brady. Again, different different CBA, different situation. Sure. But it did happen historically. Also, in both of those uh, instances, it was not successful. In the end, Brady was successful at a lower court. Not successful. Ultimately, Ezekiel Elliott was not successful. So, mm-hmm. not successful. It's very hard to be successful in federal court. I think there's going to be a lot to consider from Watson's cam and the NFLPA. I don't think this is just a cut and dry situation that we're definitely running to federal court, but they're certainly threatening it right now. Yeah. We've seen them threaten a lot. They're certainly threatening it. Do you think it's the right move that Goodell's not making this decision himself? Do you think it was smart for him to appoint Peter C. Harvey here? Yes, I think in the court of public opinion and if it goes to federal court. Because the whole cornerstone of a federal court complaint would be this violated Deshaun Watson's due process rights. This cuts against fundamental fairness. Well, it's very hard to argue that when, first of all, you have a collectively bargained agreement that lays out the system that you both agree to. But then also it's hard to argue that when you now have an independent arbitrator in step one and a designee, maybe not wholly independent, but ain't Roger Goodell in step two. So it sure. certainly weakens the case of the NFLPA and of Deshaun Watson's camp. But if they would have, you know, veto power is what I, is what I think of it as, like, What's the point of, I get it, like, why did you collectively bargain to have an independent arbitrator if you were going to just do the do what you wanted all along? That makes sense from an optics standpoint. I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm on the fence with Roger Goodell, like, where he's at in this. I think it's smart to appoint Peter C. Harvey because it makes it look less, I guess, biased. It takes it out of his hands, which is the whole reason that the NFL agreed mm-hmm. to have an independent arbitrator in step one to begin with. But doesn't it feel like, I mean, in a lot of ways... It feels like they were reacting to public the public outcry after the first suspension was or after the initial ruling was given down to six games. Like whether it was Roger Goodell presiding over this or Peter C. Harvey, it feels like the NFL was already planning to do this and reacting to the public perception that this was a weak punishment and six games was not nearly enough. Like I don't know. I, I, I could it go appears way they care that. about public perception. Very it also clearly. appears they care about power. Don't forget yeah. that that's a portion of this conversation as well. All right, coming up next, one of our colleagues is, unfortunately, maybe fortunately, stuck in Dublin, Ireland. We'll tell you about it next. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Uh, one Pro Football Hall of Fame class get enshrined this past weekend, and the potential list of 2023 enshrinees includes several first-year ballot guys, the modern-day inductees, Darrell Rivas, 2007-17, you know him as Rivas Island, Dwight Freeney, the edge rusher from the Indianapolis Colts, and Joe Thomas, offensive lineman, one of the greatest to ever play the position Spent most of his career with the Cleveland Browns. There are plenty on this list. We'll rip through a couple more of them here. Joe, uh, James Harrison, Steelers linebacker. Dwight, did I say Dwight Freeman? Yeah, you I might did. have. Uh, jo- sorry, the text on the text on no, this. No, it Zoom is screen. it is very, very small. small. Um, Cam, yeah. Shane Lepra wasn't doing Carson, you any favors. Here. Carson Palmer, who was a quarterback for a very long time. Cam Chancellor, Matt Forte. Chris Johnson, Elvis Doomerville. Wow, the text is changing as I speak. And Jahari Evans, offensive I like, lineman. I like um, young Courtney Cronin. She's like holding her <laughs> computer up to her face like she's 90 years old. I feel very... I've been staring at a lot of screens today. I could be in the Hall of Fame for how much I've had to look at things that are 
Small text. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so who do you, when you look at this list, is there anybody, let's go to the first ballot people, the people who are just yeah. making it onto this for the first time, of Revis, Edrin James, um, not Edrin James, I'm stupid. Edrin James is already in. Edrin James stood us up today. It's why Courtney has Edrin James on hey, her mind. That was behind Joe the Thomas is, is a no-brainer to me. me. Too. I mean, you're talking one of the greatest left tackles in NFL history. Uh, James, what do you think about it? Uh, James Harrison, do you think he's a first ballot? I mean, I would think he has, was he on the ballot before? Oh, that's a good point. I, th- I think he's I thought been on he the was listed. Um, Revis is these one are that, all new, right? Yeah, yeah no, this is first ones. ballot. Uh, Revis is the one I think should be a no brainer. I, I think Terrell Revis is a no brainer. I don't know if that's Revis controversial Island. to think about because you know he played ten years, seven time Pro Bowler. He was always like I mean, he's the one who like invented the the modern day lockdown corner, right? Like Revis Island was a big thing. Um, and he helped New England snap its 10-year Super Bowl drought in 2014 after leading the Jets to consecutive AFC title games in 09 and 10. So I think Darrell Revis, for what he meant to the game and ushering in this new era of cornerbacks, to me that's a no-brainer. He goes in right away when he's eligible. I agree now. with you, I, which is now. So I agree with you. Uh, I think Revis Island makes it in. I'm not sure these other names. I mean, obviously you have like Dwight Freeney, you know, is an incredible pass rusher. He did win a Super Bowl with the Colts. He did go to an NFC championship game like nine years later with Cardinals. I, I don't know if he's a first ballot. Like the thing is the differentiation here, the distinction between first ballot and getting in all of these being new names. But this is a good class. This class definitely has some big names in it. I know much was made about the class that just won in. This class is more of a star-studded class than what we just saw. Oh, man. Rest in peace to Olivia Newton-John. She passed away at the age of 73. The star of Grease, the star of so many. One of the best movies ever made. Grease, so don't great. at me. I like, mean, it's so good. I mean, even though that's what they're all 40 years old and they were supposed to be in high school, which is some weird thing that we do across all of entertainment. We still do it, by the way, in 2022. It makes no sense that we do that. Nevertheless, Grease phenomenal movie. Absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Still holds uh, up. And a life taken way too soon. Olivia Newton passed away at the age of 73. You know, her rise to fame from, from Greece with John Travolta and all the other movies that she was in beyond that point. Um, she was a great singer, too. I mean, she sang yes. throughout Greece. It's yeah. not a lip syncer. No, it's none not, of them were. None of them were lip syncing in Greece. So... Really sad stuff. Uh, She passed away at breast cancer. I want to mention that as a breast cancer survivor myself. She had a really long battle, a decades-long battle with breast cancer. She passed away peacefully at her ranch with her husband and her family, 73 years old. So uh, just another another bleep cancer moment. (sighs) Olivia Newton-John, our hearts uh, and thoughts go out to her family as they mourn the loss of an absolute icon. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson down the stretch here. Want to thank all of our guests that came by the show today. John Talty, the author of The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban. Be sure to go check his book out tomorrow. It's when it drops. You can see my Twitter account, at Courtney R. Cronin. I have the link to where you can go purchase it. Also want to shout out Catherine Terrell, ESPN Saints reporter, for stopping by the show. We appreciate the guests that showed up. We appreciate the guests who answered their phone. The two of the five of you. We went two of five today, which I know is a little inside baseball. And our producer, Cam Cam Pratt's probably wanting to That's so embarrassing, guys. But um, that's fine. Three and out brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Let's go three and out to end the show. Sometimes it's the worst.
worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. My favorite is that the show is called Canty and Carlin, and one of them stood us up. Yeah, that was Chris Canty, who's on his way to South Carolina, according to Chris Carlin, who we got to meet them in person today. This is the first time any of us have been in the exact same place together. So we got a photo of Canty and Carlin and then the real hosts of Canty and Carlin, Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson, because Amber's Amber's hosting the show every day for the next month. Yes. You should just change your last name to... To Canty or Canty Carlin. Or Carlin. Well, you did get me confused with Chris Carlin. I earlier. did earlier. I didn't know whether to be like highly offended <laughs> or flattered. To be perfectly honest with you, when we had on uh, the Saints reporter, your best friend, Kevin by the way, Kat, yes, you thank you for answering. The you phone. did call me uh, Chris Carlin at one point. Call so that Freudian was a bit awkward. Um, I will blame it on the fact that I've been going since six thirty in the morning yeah, on KJM, yeah. another ESPN Radio property. Okay, speaking of ESPN Radio, our yes. good friend Peter Burns, ESPN Radio host and SEC network aficionado somehow stuck in Dublin, Ireland. I don't know the backstory to this. I don't Do you? either. No, I was all I know is that I got it for the college football. Season? I got a text from Nuno saying, Hey, Peter might not be able to get back in the country. Can you host his show yesterday? And I'm like, huh? I thought he was being facetious. I didn't think he was like serious. I thought that was just like some line that Nuno used on me, but apparently maybe there was something to this because he's still posting pictures in Dublin, Ireland. I guess he's stuck there, which by the way, Courtney, worst places I feel like stuck. there's worse places to be stuck. 100%. Yeah. So if you go to his Twitter, Twitter account at Peter Burns ESPN. He's documenting this whole thing. I just don't. It, Cam, do you know why he Is was he over there? It's not vacation. He was taking a vacation and he already had some travel problems. I believe he had a meeting with the embassy today. So very important what? stuff oh for gosh. Peter Burns. But he did tweet that picture. As you mentioned, he was at the oldest bar in Ireland founded in 1198 and he mentioned this is the final night in Ireland so I believe he is leaving tomorrow so, so hopefully Peter Birds will make a safe he trip He is apparently home. stranded there by himself he Yeah said. where's his wife and his two kids Well I think he was there I think for it was a pa- SEC network Why are they over there I, I think he had passport problems so even if they did make it they probably didn't have the same troubles he did Okay well and they ditched him Peter's not a fugitive of the United States. He's coming home. We think. Um, But uh, it's, I mean, worst places to be stuck. I do think that I want a full explanation, though, as to why he didn't bring his Comrex with him. I travel with mine. Most places. Do you travel internationally with yours? I actually was in Italy last summer, and I got a text from one of our bosses. Hey, I need you to hop on. It was like the day of, and I'm like, oh, I'm in Italy. So, so we tried to get Peter to join his own show yesterday morning. Uh, since it was you know the how afternoon, expensive his a time. call like that would have been. Oh well, dedication to the game, and he was golfing. He couldn't even like have time to call in, so he really is not doing that. Wait, badly, so I Pete, think. did he rent his clubs, or did he like bring them with? Because if I have he brought no them idea. with, this was a planned vacation, and he's not stuck. This he's purposely. <laughs> choosing to stay there. I don't think he planned to stay longer, but I think he planned to go and have a normal vacation in the first place. Okay. Well, Peter, get home soon. Uh, We'll see you on Best Week Ever and on SEC Network. I guess he met some Kentucky men's basketball fans in Ireland. Big shock, a national fan base, an international fan base that travels everywhere. Um, Okay, one more before we get out of here. The Bills practice at St. St. John Fisher College, D3 School in upstate New York. Von Miller was apparently unhappy with the quality of toilet paper that's in the dorms there. Fans have now been sending him an overwhelming amount of toilet paper rolls. Um, that would have been useful during the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Now now toilet paper is just readily available. All right. 
Um, Amber's got to go do first take tomorrow. I got to go catch a flight. No feelings. Uh, Spain and Fitz is up next here on ESPN Radio. This has been fun. Maybe Amber and I will get to do this together. That would be great. We're gonna we're gonna keep pushing for that because in studio shows are so 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 much fun. You're listening to Candy and Carl on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.